So before we get into talking about the second season episode of Star Trek Picard, Penance, Mm -hmm. some news broke on Star Trek Strange New World. So between the recordings... Well, first, so there's two items. So between last week and this week, a small trailer for Strange New Worlds finally dropped. Oh, yes. A teaser trailer, which Mm -hmm. showed us some rather interesting things. We finally got our real, legit first look at the show. Yes. What is your take on it? I liked what I saw. Didn't really show us, tell us much. But no. given that it's episodic, I wouldn't expect it to. So Yeah. Uh, here's, my only thing is, I hope that that's the only, that's as long as, and that's the only time we see that horse. You don't want to see Tango all the time? No, I do not want to see, um, you know, I do not want to see Rustic Mountain uh, yeah. Pike. I want that to be like, we see him on his horse. The guy comes and says, we need you at the ship. And then he goes to the ship. I want I mean, that to be like a minute and a half. I mean, it's clearly a callback, right, to the cage when Pike. Yes. Is yes. with Vina and they're at the. Can- what I'm, what I'm curious about, like I, is it seems to me like Chris is away for a little while, kind of like away from it all, and he's getting called back, and I wonder if it has to do with sort of the events of Discovery, when he got that glimpse into his future, seeing himself, as you say, in the box and the light, a couple lights, because it's we're in the 21st century now. I'm sure. So I'm wondering is. if like he's taking time to be a little bit kind of contemplative right i think so i think anyone would need a little time off after that yeah seeing how you're gonna gruesomely meet your end or at least right your life in a box well well, you know the executive producer akiva goldsman said that was going to factor into the show a little bit and he did say that while they're not doing a season-long story arc you have to remember that they're going to be doing character arcs so the character journeys are going to be what the arc of the season is which i think is you know an interesting idea but um yeah i mean we just kind of got glimpses of things nothing really um again i don't feel like we learned much from the trailer but um it's just nice to know that it's coming and that it's not that far away yes i i really like the use of the original series theme yes and I've had this in my head for a while, but it's almost like this is the backdoor way to remake the original series without having to remake the original series. That's really all I can say about what I saw in that trailer is that it just it seems to me that Pike is away from everything and he's called back um, to do something. I mean, it's a classic sort of like, you know, you're away from it all. They need you back. But um, I'm just curious. Really... Do you think that the... Um number one speech was within the show or was it to us the viewer i don't know because she was talking about like science fiction science fiction and yeah that was odd that was weird so before i move on to my next news item which also does pertain to strange new worlds um i it's important that i ask you after seeing that trailer what are your uh how are you feeling about the show i'm feeling great it doesn't change anything but what's this secret news so, Come on, you got me. I'm on eggshells here, or whatever the word okay. is. So, I'm uh, on Tinder hooks. Season two of Strange New Worlds is in production right now. And apparently, um, some a new character is joining the show. Is it a new character or an old character? A new old character. Apparently, James T. Kirk 
is going to be in season two of Strange New Worlds. Oh. That's stupid. Well, I, I, I'm okay. So <laughs> you want an unfiltered take? There you go. No, no, no. Unfiltered take. It's so obviously no details. <laughs> of, we don't know anything about this. Well, he's but, sitting in the captain's chair for one. Right. But I hate it. Let me just say that straight I, up. I hate it. We don't know because he, here's the thing: Strange New Worlds is set ten years prior to the Kirk taking command. So. That puts us in about the 2255, 2256 time frame. Now, at that point in Kirk's life, he's already a lieutenant on the USS Farragut. Now, I'd always said that the logical place for this show to end is handing command over to Kirk. Now, obviously from this photo, if anybody's watching us on Twitch right now, I have it up right now. You know, you can clearly see he's got the captain's stripes. I can't tell if that's three or four. I'll take um, three. So that could be first officer. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. I don't even know if that's the Enterprise. I mean, that could be a different ship. I don't know. So, or it could be a fl- it could be a jump, a flash forward to something. I I don't know. I I we we have no idea how Kirk would even factor into the second season. We haven't even seen the first season yet. I'm excited to see this because I'm excited to see like the this time in Kirk's life and leading up to his command on the ship. It's just confusing to me that they would I feel like that he would be introduced this early in the show. Yeah. All right, here's my why I don't like it. Okay. So there was a big problem initially or fear with having Spock on Discovery was that Spock is Spock. He's going to suck all the oxygen out of every scene that he's in, right? Right. Right. And we sort of got over that just by exposure to him in the show and the, his role and, and whatnot, whatever. But if you're going to put Kirk in the damn show that's on the original Enterprise, there's no way that all the attention is gonna, not going to be on him. And it's, I just, why, 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 why? No, the, so here's the other thing too. Now, when... Kirk, again, if this is indeed, if Kirk's appearance is where the show is set, which would be in the 2250s. um, In 2257, the Farragut suffered a major accident and um, they suffered heavy, heavy casualties and, you know, half the crew ended up dying, including the captain. Now, I don't know if it could be that they are that they are portraying this incident on strange new worlds um and that the enterprise comes to the rescue of the uss farragut it's highly possible you know i have no idea yeah my my thing on that is that if you if he's just going to be a cameo why bother right and if he's going to be a major part of it i don't like it right right now that could change obviously and i don't need such a negative nelly all the time lately but that's my take. I, yes. I, I just, you know, I wanted to see a Pike show. I wanted to see the Pike Enterprise show, and I was like, you too. You love right. Pike? Well, it's, right? it's also me, they wanna, yes. Why do they want to take the spotlight off Pike already? Well, it's not, the thing is, it's not clear if he's going to just be a guest appearance or 
um, like a, a cast member, if the show is indeed episodic, right? I would have no problem with them if there is an episode about what happened on the Farragut in that mission in 2257. That's cool. I'm fine with that. That could even result in the first meeting of Kirk and Spock for all I know. And you have to understand too that at the time, Kirk is not the captain. So he may not even meet Captain Pike. He just seems to be sitting in a captain chair, correct? I, I feel like he's sitting in the captain's chair, but if the captain of the Farragut had died, he's probably like the senior most surviving officer. Right. Like, I'm not saying that this is how... I'm just saying, like, this is how it could play out. I'm not yeah. saying that's how it's going to... I'm, I'm, you know, putting the logic out there to say this is how it could potentially play out, if that's indeed what they're showing. I don't know how they would... If if it's if it's a flash forward of something like that, I don't know why they would do that. But no, flash forwards don't make that's sense. yeah. So I mean, we st we have a while. I mean, it's, we're not going to see that probably until the spring of twenty twenty three. So because they're filming it now, as I said. What um, a strange and undermining decision. Yeah, I, like I, your I, show hasn't even started yet, and you're already going to get people. Yeah looking for like oh man but what about next season when we get kirk what a bizarre decision. well it even goes back to not just spock but just having the enterprise appear on discovery because remember i kept saying in the first season you know i hope we do see the enterprise at some point because at this point pike is captain spock you know mm. and i figured we would see it on discovery at some point but i didn't think they were going to introduce it that early right that was the weird thing they they kind of you know, wasted no time in bringing the show, bringing the ship. I wonder if that was the but... creative decision that broke apart the original creative team. Because it's a pretty yeah, big maybe. move. Yeah. Anyway, all this yeah. is speculation, but it's all. I hope it's good. Speculation, and and again, you know, I I I kind of share your sentiment that it seems like an odd move to bring him in that early, but and again, publicized it before season and one. Publicizing even it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it should be all the. You know, don't forget about Captain Pike here, guys. Um, but again, if it's an episode that strictly deals with that incident on the Farragut. Right. Cool. You want to know something that's very funny here is like mm -hmm. when you look at this guy, I don't know the actor, but the impression that I get from this is like he looks more like a Jeffrey Hunter than he a. He does, doesn't he? Than a, than a William Shatner. He looks yes. more like he's just a handsome guy who could be anybody, which uh -huh. is kind of why uh, Jeffrey Hunter didn't work. Yeah. So I don't know. It's um, it's an odd decision. It's an odd creative decision. It's an odd and an odd publicity, publicity decision. decision as well. But we don't yeah. we don't know anything obviously right now beyond what has been announced. We don't know how we would. We obviously do not know how he would factor in. Um, so my my hope is that what we see of him is limited to that moment on the USS Farragut. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that's the incident that we that they show depicted in the series. So, but that's that's also I think one of those things where they they're really kind of dancing around that um, you know, sort of continuity canon aspect where they're finding ways around it which technically don't make it wrong, but I think I would have preferred that Kirk be introduced literally in the last episode. You right. Know, Kirk 
James T. Kirk is embedded so much into the pop culture that you don't have to introduce him right away. It's it would be okay to wait until the end of yeah. the series. Yeah. It's funny that I mentioned my thing of how Strange New Worlds is a way to do a backdoor remake of the original right. series. And I did not know that this was the news you were going to be showing. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't so, know this news before we well, started. And let's be honest, right? Let's not kid ourselves here. If this is successful, this guy playing Kirk is successful, and Paramount sees that, I feel like they will try to come up with some kind of backhanded way, as it were, to re to redo the original. The only way to do the original it series would be to jump ahead in time and do like the last two years of the mission. Yeah, that's that's the other thing because we haven't. Because, yeah, obviously nobody wants to see them remake the whole show. But you know what you say though. I mean, that's kind of how I think of the animated series. The animated series is the that's is the last true. two years. So well, just pretend the animated series was only like six months. I mean, they don't really specify, but and that that that's my own headcanon. I mean, Paramount doesn't give a shit about my headcanon. But um, yeah. no, I could see we that. I mean, I could see them, as you say, jumping ahead. Or, or I mean, this again. This is, and we'll move on to Picard after this. You could also do a series that depicts his years on the Farragut, or when he's instructing in at the academy, and then you could maybe do something in there. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine. I, I honestly can't imagine. I feel like if you redo the original series, uh -huh. you're kind of playing with fire at that point because no, they've never really. I wouldn't even. I mean, Abrams' film isn't even a remake. I don't know what everyone likes to call it that, but it's not a remake. It has the right. appearance of one, but it's not. So Star Trek never has really specifically remade anything. Right, but then you're, so, you're getting into like James Bond or Batman. Level yeah. With so many people playing this one character. Who right. Is so, see, Batman was different because Batman existed existed long before anyone ever played him it's an odd decision well i mean we can we obviously don't know anything beyond what we said and now we're just speculating so let's just wait to see season two after season one yes so, yeah but um onto a different season so season two of picard episode two penance penance directed by doug arniokowski who is the director of last episode, episode one of season two. Now, this is interesting. We got an old school situation here. Teleplay by Akiva Goldsman, Terry Metalis, who wrote um, la last episode, uh, Terry Metalis being the showrunner. And then Christopher, no, no, Christopher Monfett, I believe, is the showrunner. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Christopher Monfett also wrote the teleplay along with Akiva Goldsman and Terry Metalis. Uh, but story by Michael Chabon. Akiva Goldsman, Terry Metalis, and Christopher Monfett. So Chabon does have some hand in this season. Maybe that's yep. the only hand that he will have. But he contributed enough to this, either at the end of last season or at some point in the creation, that they had to give him a story by credit. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a co-creator of the show, but I mean, I don't think he's written an episode really since last season. So no, he's, written, um, he's written a story for an episode. Yeah, I mean, I hope he does more because you had, I didn't, before the show began last season, I mean, you had one of his books, right? You still do, right? Yeah. 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 So that's the thing where it's, 
Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really cool that they were bringing this acclaimed author, yeah, novelist. Um, yeah. But what we've seen so far is great, and knowing especially that the um, showrunner has the connection, wrote for uh, Enterprise, yep, and Voyager, so mm-hmm. got the pedigree, of course. Uh, so let's dig into penance. But this was this, so. This was a very. I loved this episode. I concur. This was a very, I thought, very intense episode. I was really. I mean, so much happened. But, and Q was just in top form. John Delancey was in top form playing the character. Um, I. I really, really liked this episode quite a bit. A lot as well. It did pack in a lot, and all the sort of world building... Totally. ...went along with the story very well, but none of it was... There was no big exposition dump. It all no. felt very natural. No, I mean, this is... So this is the episode where, we, where everybody sort of wakes up in this new alternate reality. And while it feels very much like the Mirror Universe... It's not the Mirror Universe, but it might as well be. Mm, it's the Confederation. It's not the Terran Empire. Yeah. So it's much closer to the world that we know. Right. Right. So Earth is now an authoritarian regime that pres- that Seven is the president of. Or, excuse me, Annika is the president of. Right. And Picard is the warmonger, yeah. um, genocidal maniac uh, general. Yeah. Which I think, I mean, I love exploring these ideas of fascism yep. and Trek has always done it. It's, mm-hmm. it's a great place to look. They're very awesome. much like a Nazi empire, but for human superiority over all alien species. And done at a, at a very, uh, you know, dare I say, convenient time. Right, yes, yeah. yes. Certainly when the divergence comes and the, the right. state of the world right now with the idea that democracy is now being threatened by authoritarianism all over the place. But it also... You know, the other thing I thought about in watching this, I watched this episode probably like four times. This is no joke. Um, I I love the idea. So I like that Q is obviously on the show, right? But I really just love the idea of doing a season-long storyline in one of Q's little tricks, Right? I mean, this is really kind of like that episode where he sends Picard back and shows him when he gets stabbed in the heart by the Nausicans. This is sort of like that idea stretched out into an entire season. Letting Picard right. sort of do something again, maybe redo it, do yeah. it right. And I think it's a brilliant idea. I'm glad you bring that up because yeah. there's a few reasons. One as we have discussed in our other on the other show, it's not that easy to just take an episode idea and stretch it out to a season. Right. So, you know, so far so good. But here's the thing that I find super interesting. And I'm going to dig in a little deep into the conversation that Picard has with Q, because I think that's mm-hmm. sort of the heart of the episode. Um, so Q tells Picard, you're never too, we're never, we're never too old to be students of our own behavior. And Picard says, I've had enough of your stupid patronizing. He says, I've had enough of your stubbornness. Changing in all 
ways except the one that matters. So this seems to be his he big... slaps him right before that. Yes, slaps him. Um, this seems to be his big... Um... The challenge to him is that he has changed in all the ways that except the one that matters in that he is needs to be a student of his own behavior. Right. The thing that makes us so different is that in the episode you reference of Next Generation, that is within his own life. It is literally his own behavior. But we're going back before he was even born. So I'm curious to see how this is going to play out. Because he clearly didn't do anything in 2024. Right, I mean, that's, at this point, you know, nearly 500 years ago. Yes. So, um... So, I'm really curious to see, like, what... I'm very confused about this. Like, what is his own behavior? How could Picard's behavior have led to this fascist right. empire? Right. Um, what is it about him specifically? And I'm just trying to... I'm really racking my brain trying to think, like, what could he be talking about? Well, it makes me wonder, I mean, is... Are we only going to be going to 2024, right? Like, are we going to go to different, you know, places in time, right? I mean, we've seen a lot of footage from 2024 in these trailers, but is that just one episode, two episodes, and then they go go off somewhere else? Right, because I, like, I, I sort of expect next episode, yeah. they're going to quickly get to 2024. Right. I think, and I really like the pace, if that's true, because I love yeah. this... You're dealing with one thing the first episode, getting everybody together. Now you're dealing with getting from yes. that time period, putting the band back together, plus one. What I and then getting off of the planet. I so I hope that that's what ha off the, out of that time period rather. So I really hope that that's what happened. Well, what I like about this, too, the other thing I like about it in terms of the format of it, right? So I remember last season, Akiva Goldsman was on the ready room talking to your favorite person in the world, Will Wheaton, talking about season one of Picard. And he kind of broke it down as the way that we write these seasons is as if every season is like an episode. And I remember this idea came back in when we were talking about the finale of, on the finale of Lower Decks with um, the person whose name I'm forgetting from Computer Resume Podcast, uh, Todd from Computer Resume Podcast. Because you and I were saying, like, oh, you know, they don't do enough of these, like, you know, conference room scenes and this and that and the other thing. And he sort of broke it down as, like, you know, it seems like that's what they're doing with the season, right? Like, you have that episode where they go into the conference room and then this episode where they do that, right? All the hallmarks but, of what they do in one episode. If this were a single episode, this season, you know, we would have spent, like, five minutes on everybody waking up trying to figure out where they were. We wouldn't have gotten, been able to go into so much detail to what everybody was sort of realizing where, the, where they were, right? Because this entire episode is dedicated to the to the characters figuring out where are we why are we here what am i doing what's going on that would have been a 5 minute scene if this were just in an ep if, if this were all contained in a single episode so we're getting more uh what's the word i'm looking for like we we it's more rich we can see more we can see dive more deep into the characters this way but here's the thing i think this show's doing so amazingly is that yeah that may be true but that 5 minute like They've given us an episode that it has a beginning, a middle, and end. Yep. It has rising action. Mm -hmm. It has a ticking situation. Yep. We're on the edge of our seat. 
it gets resolved, they yep. get away, and then there's another snafu. So it works so well as a single episode. Yes. That's the thing that I think, that's the issue with, I think, thinking of a season as well. It's a long season, so you can have, here's the setting things up, here's the conference room scene. Because, you know, I love conference room scenes. I don't want to watch a 48-minute conference room scene. So of course. Like, what you're so, saying is, yeah. This was what this show's doing so well, which is not easy to do, I'm sure, is you do all those beats, but you have them be a story that you care about in Yeah, the what you're saying is that even though it's part of a long it's part of a longer story, it moved that story it moves that story along while also managing to use as you're saying, to be self contained and that it has a beginning, middle and end. And we feel like we've got we started someplace and it feels like we got somewhere at the end. Yes. Yeah. And it was a super satisfying story of how the hell they put put into this impossible situation? Right. How right. do we get out of it? Because if this were the other that other unnamed show, we would have spent five episodes with all of them trying to figure out where they were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, that would have been held off until the end, right? Yeah. So before yeah. though, we get totally into the um, scenes and whatnot. I yeah. One more thing about Q. So. Q also presents this thing, this option to him. He says, you're free to stay here like Macbeth to wash the blood from your hands. Mm -hmm. Of course, hilarious because Picard famously has played Macbeth. Yep. And him and Q I mean, have John had... I mean, Patrick Stewart has claimed yes. famously played Macbeth. Well, and him and, and Q have had Shakespearean discussions in the past, too. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny, though, because Macbeth, it's Macbeth's wife, Lady Macbeth, is the one who's trying to wash the blood from her hands. Right. And is saying out, out, damn spot over and over. She goes crazy because she's trying to wash the blood and it won't come off. But right. there is no blood. It's just her guilt. So it's, I don't, it's again, it's like, yep. What is the guilt that Picard has here? There you and he are. Says, making... You can wash the blood from hands or you can look for atonement, forgiveness. And I'm just thinking, like, forgiveness for what? What is this about? So that's the big, the big mystery that's put here is what does he need forgiveness for? Right. And I think that's um, going to be the big reveal as we go. If this is truly like the old Q episodes where it's a test and he needs to make a realization. Now, he says it's not a test. It's a penance. Now, what happens in a penance? Are you asking you're me? A good, you're a good Catholic boy. <laughs> oh, my God. My good Catholic boy. Hardly. Um, well, it's you... It's kind of like you, I mean, this is going to be a bad way of putting it. It's like a, it's like a punishment for something you did, right? Yeah, it's like a cleansing you have to make up for it by saying did. 10 Hail Marys and five yeah. Our Fathers or whatever. I mean, not a punishment, but like it's, you have to atone. The word I want to say, you have to atone for your sins. Yes. Right? So, yeah, there's, yeah, there's no, the only lesson to be learned is that, oh, I screwed up and I'm yeah. going to be punished for I'm it. I'm not allowed so, in churches anymore. <laughs> so it's interesting then that this would be called penance. And yeah. so I wonder, is it a test? Is there something for him to figure out? Because he says you have to learn from your own behavior. But he also right. says it's not a test, it's a penance. And a penance would have no particular thing to figure out other than I'm a terrible person. So are you I thinking it. that it's something he did that we've seen in Trek before or something we've done, something new that we're going to discover in this show? I think it's got to be something that we've seen. Hmm. Maybe, or maybe it, I was thinking maybe it's his him taking the 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 body, right? But that doesn't seem to be it. So I yeah. think I'm not answering anything. I'm just raising this big question: like, what is this all about? 
Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I didn't think about could it be something in the existing lore that he still has to uh, atone for. But I think it's going to be something... When Q points out his arrogance, right? What, what's the line you have written down? You change in every way but one. Um, you, ch- you change, changing in all ways but the one that matters. The one that matters. Now, yeah. obviously, I don't know what he means by that. What I can mm-hmm. say though is, when I think back specifically to the episode of Q Who. This is the episode where they first, where Q introduces them to the Borg, right? And I and I should add, by the way, that, you know, I love that Q is not, at least so far anyway, in the season. It's back, and I said this last week, It's he's back to the more sinister Q. It's not sticking them in a Robin Hood world and then having some fun mm-hmm. with them, right? No mariachi bands. Right, none of that. So... He's very much back to who Q was initially, which was teaching them lessons and teaching help. You know, your people are so arrogant and, you know, you don't. And the whole idea of that episode of Q Who is Q sort of calling them out on their bullshit, calling them out on their arrogance. Picard mm, you insisting you're going to go out and make contact and be yeah. friendly to everybody. Well, you don't know what you're up against. You don't know. He says, you don't know what's coming. You don't know what's out here. You don't know what's, you know. So. And at one point, you know, Q says, you know, oh, the arrogance, the arrogance. And like, you know, he finds it kind of funny. But I get a similar vibe in this one, right? That same kind of attitude that he had for them in that episode, right? Like you have no idea. Maybe not necessarily like you don't know what's coming. You don't know what's out here. But, you know, you just you're so arrogant and you just have no idea you haven't and then even going back into the final episode of the show um of the next generation you know picard had asked q like you know q had mentioned to picard that for a brief second humanity showed potential for a very very brief second of like reaching that next plane or that next step of evolution so Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, do those things factor in? I have no idea. I'm just pointing back to existing Trek lore that this reminds me of, right? Whether it's related or not, right? Yeah. My only theory on it is, and I'll lay out my evidence quickly, is that there's an interesting part when Seven is first figuring out what's going on, and her husband asks her to clarify or pick a, a phrase for the speech. And they say, do you want to say, like, terrible power or merciful power? I forget what the two options were, but merciful power was definitely the second one. And she kind of absentmindedly says, uh, do the second one. Do merciful power for, like, yeah. what the Empire is all about. And then later at the genocide event, um, they say, her husband says, no one better exemplifies the merciful power of this Empire than Picard. So I don't know if merciful power is going to come into it somehow, but it just mm-hmm. seemed like too strange that we got it twice and then it was pointed directly at Picard. Yep. He best exemplifies this merciful power. So that's my only theory. And it's not much of a theory. It's more like a clue. 
I'm trying to find a long way to say I'm excited to see where this is going to go. And I hope that it is um, as tantalizing as it seems when it finally comes to uh, fruition. Yeah. So I'm just sorry. I was just going through trying to find that quote I mentioned, but you know, here's another, here's another passage from Q in that final episode that I think speaks to this where he says, you know, that is the exploration that awaits you not mapping stars and studying nebula, but charting the unknown possibilities of existence. So it's just the whole idea about Q in the final episode is that he's just, he's just trying to get Picard to see that again, you know, who he is, it's not just about exploring space. And I, again, I wonder if that's, if we're going in the same direction in this episode, in the season, are we doing like a sort of like season long, are we doing a season long all good things? Right, because the interesting because I love the sound of that. I just don't yeah. see how that could connect to a fascist alternate no. universe where Picard. That's the thing that makes it right. so hard to, to right. fit in. Right, which is why we're on this ride, and we'll see what happens. And we'll see now, if General Sisko ever shows up. In spite of how, what a sort of intense episode that it was, and when I say intense, I mean like intense in all the right ways. I mean Stardust City Rag last season was intense, but it was like violent, intense, and it, it just it didn't. I remember people not being too happy with that episode. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I didn't mind it. But... I. But yeah, this what, is edgy your seat. This is. It was edgy. I was taking time, time bomb done right whole time, the whole time. I because I just. I was scared. I was scared of the world that they were in, and I was scared for them. And I was saying, like, I just need them all together. Please get them all together in the same room. Seven's husband, please leave. Please leave this area. Please yes. get out of this scene so they can talk. Get like out of this scene. The of figuring it out. Yes, I needed that scene of all of them together safely, discussing yeah. this. And, and yeah, done with such humor. That well, see, that's where I was going. So as intense, edge of your seat as the episode is, there was some really great funny scenes in this episode. I mean... Oh, a lot given by Girardi. Dude, like, I don't remember her being that funny last season. Yeah, I don't remember she, particularly she, liking her that much last season. Say again? She's such a good fish out of water. Oh, totally. Like, um, the scene that I was going to point out as my favorite was when she wakes up and she's got that cat AI assist, that cat assistant, mm -hmm. Spot no. 72. Just quick question, so yeah. aside. Spot 73. Do you know who the voice of the cat is? Because I recognize the voice. That was Patton Oswald. Thank you. Yeah. No, I <laughs> I was like, I know that voice. I, I think that's yeah. Patton, and that's who it was. Um, nice. I forget the number. Spot 72, spot 73. But I that scene, I love that. And then when Seven walks in with her husband, I should, again, I should say Annika, but we know her as Seven, of course. Right. Um, and so do all them because they can't stop calling her Seven. But just even that whole moment, like, you remember my husband, and and she's just like, yeah, like the way she's just able to, <laughs> that whole right. It, she's, moment. She's much worse at it. Yes. Actually, Seven was the best at it. Right. She. I, that was one of the things I noted. Like, so Picard even was bad at it. Picard was lucky that there was only a synth there because yes. he would have given up the game right away. But um, Seven was very good at she was able to figure out what was going on and then while she walked into her office she's quickly like scrolling through things to figure out what the hell's going on yes. yep um and she was able to also switch into that okay i'm supposed to be the president of a fascist government so i better right. be mean sometimes and she mm -hmm. would switch into being mean 
Yeah. Is she was excellent. Yeah. And her husband, I thought, I mean, I didn't like her husband, but we're not supposed to, but it was, it just didn't seem like, I think what made it so great was it just didn't seem like that they fit together at all. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It was, um, it really took but, full advantage of the possibilities for humor. Girardi's fish out of water and just failing at it i mean she didn't fail at it but she was like you know she was clearly like you know struggling and maybe like saying more than she should have she had she had a very she had a very boimler vibe about it like she was just very much like (laughs) you know you just needed seven to say okay like you know enough like yeah if boimler was put in that position he would act probably pretty similar yes yes he would elaborate way too much Mm -hmm. say everything that pops into their head yeah but what did you think of the whole idea? Um, what was it called? Extermination Day or something like that? Um, yeah, it wasn't it was something like that. Eradication Day. Eradication Day is what it was. So right. they, you know, they make a big event out of eradicating a species. And so they yeah, have great. the Borg Queen. I mean, it's not great, but you know. It's not great, but I mean, the, it, it, creatively, it's, a, it's an interesting idea. Um, yes, and it, it was a way to... Bring the band back together, meaning yep. the crew yep. of the uh, of the Cerritos. No, what the Serena. The La Serena. <laughs> Cerritos. Um, and bring them back together. Yeah. Plus one. Yes. Plus the Borg Queen, which is hilarious. It reminds me of there's this Batman comic where I haven't actually read it, but just the idea of it. Uh, where Batman, it's in the future after an apocalypse, and Batman is like going through the desert, and he has joker's head in a jar and it's like alive and talking to him mm-hmm. and he has to bring it along with him for some reason for the whatever mission he's on you sound like really you're describing me of that. you sound like you're describing an episode of futurama all right yes um, uh it reminds me of that you know like your worst enemy yeah and you're forced to bring them along with you right now and get their help and it's something i never really thought about because we've only in the past We've only really seen the Borg Queen in her lair and then when she assimilates the Enterprise in First Contact. But we've never really seen her kind of outside the collective on her own like this. And right. which I think is a fantastic idea. Mm-hmm. But it's also, her, it's also you know, it's also Yeah, like it's also kind of a funny idea. Like here is the queen of this you know, highly advanced civilization that has assimilated God knows how many planets and just unstoppable force and mm-hmm. is now stuck with you who has, she has no legs. Right. And you're like, kind of uh, like Gripio on Chewbacca's back. And yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> like the thing that I kept going to for some reason is like in, um, uh, the walking dead when we first meet Michonne and she's like dragging those, the walkers with her who have no arms. Right. Like that's just kind of what I was, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Right. But you just you have the enemy right tethered tethered to you essentially, mm-hmm. and, and of course you give her arms in a sense right. when you let her plug right. into the ship, which obviously you have to do at some point, or else right. how's she going to control the ship? I think you know, and I've got to hand it to Picard too, is that you know with last season and this season, they've really done made some really great use, I think, of the Borg and have really made them feel fresh and scary again. So, and I hope that, I do hope that the queen stays with us all season. 
and that that's sort of the the joke with her, right? The sort of insecurity of being with having the Borg Queen with you the entire time. Right. Who's like who's like all powerful and yet not because she can't really do anything in the position that she's in, as far as we know. Right, but also, yeah. interestingly, is a a good um, uh, I don't know interpreter of human nature because said to Gerardi, yeah. you you have this feeling everywhere, the feeling that the Queen had from being disconnected from the collective, yeah. a feeling of loneliness, and saying that Gerardi's always lonely. Yeah, she could pick that up right away. Yep. Um, now, so just to kind of, why don't we just do this really quick? So. Let's just kind of mention where every character is. So, as we've already mentioned, Seven was the president of the Confederation. Picard was a general. What did you, how did I forget how you put it? Um, genocidal general. A genocidal general. Girardi is some kind of a doctor. Um, it looks like she's working in cybernetics, so it doesn't seem like it's that different from where she was before, but like almost like a mad scientist kind of thing. Mm. who is who kind of i'm assuming stores all of these aliens for the uh, eradication day is responsible for like you know prepping everybody for eradication day in some way um elnor is part of a resistance against this totalitarian empire as it was and mm -hmm. um raffi seems to be like security yeah secret police secret police yeah yeah and Laris is dead. Laris is dead. We don't know where Soji is, weirdly. We don't That's true. Yeah, we haven't seen Soji. Because um, I had to go back and watch it. When I went back and watched it again, I'm like, I'm like, did we see Soji? And then, no, we've not seen Soji. We've only seen Soji once so far. And it's only, she only had one scene in the first episode. Mm. So, um, I mean, I have no doubt she'll be back. Right? right. But we didn't see her this week. So... Oh, and uh, who did I? And the other one I forgot. Rios. Uh, Rios is, of course, back on the La Serena, but it looks like he's part of a sort of fleet of La Serena type vessels. Mm -hmm. So he says it's a D Day over Vulcan. D Day over Vulcan, yes. So, and you know, the episode, of course, uh, is obviously. So, so we know where they are, which is great. But what I really love is the way they all come together. Right. Seven is able to quickly search to see where Rios is and then come up with a reason. I want to be brief directly. Yep. Uh, she says, no, I do not, want, do not want to hear from General Sisko. You were hoping, a, weren't you? You were hoping. That was a tantalizing little moment. No, yes. I, I I don't know. For some reason, I just knew it was. There's, no there's just not a place for him there. I'm sorry. Right. Like, he shouldn't be. Yeah. It was a funny little throwaway, though. It so was. Very, alternate yes. universe. And I was like, um, for a split second, like, if they surprise the fuck out of us and, like, we see yeah. Avery Brooks... Evil yeah. Avery Brooks. Oh my God! Well, um, goatee, right? Yeah. He would play it so well, too. Totally. Um, totally. Rafi is putting down the resistance movement that Elnor is part of. Yep. So she captures him. Yep. Girardi works for the president directly. The Borg Queen is going to be destroyed, mm -hmm. and then Picard is going there to give a speech and do the destroying. So it's such a fun way that it all fits together so perfectly. And I like how they brought and I, like there were and there were certain things about them that I really liked. I mean, I like how they brought Elnor and Raffi together. Mm. I mean, they we we you know because each character was sort of getting their own scene, but they actually shared the same scene, right? Which I which I liked. 
But I also there's one other moment that I really really liked was when we see Rios for the first time, and then Annika contacts him. I liked how they approached that awkwardness, because she wasn't sure if he was aware of what was going on, so she had to kind of. And he you wasn't know, sure either. What? And he wasn't sure either. And he wasn't sure either. So I liked that there was sort of that moment again of this awkwardness that they needed to address, yeah. right? And then and they were both very cautious. Yes. Whereas Girardi, as soon as she saw Seven, just blurted out, Seven! Right. So it right. shows but the difference in their characters. When I last saw you, you were gazing at the stars. Yes, right. on the stargazer! Star she yeah. was going to spill the whole thing. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, I even those moments, I thought, even those moments were handled really well. Because we've got characters that have personalities. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about That's this. That's why it works. I w yes, Okay, so I'm really glad you mentioned that, okay? Because I'm not going to tool on the other show. No, we have a section for that. Right. Band, anyway. I'm just saying that very, j exactly like Lower Decks, okay? Exactly like Lower Decks, we've spent one season, one, two episodes with these characters. I mean, Lower Decks at this point, you know, two seasons. But when I had the same feeling when Lower Decks returned. I said the same exact thing. We've only spent 10 weeks with these with these characters, and yet they're so fully fleshed out, developed. I like them. They all have their place. No one's more really doesn't see no one seems more important than the other one. I mean aside from Picard. Um and don't forget, I mean I we always talk about this. When we finished talking about season 1, I mean we dedicated 3 episodes to just talking about the characters. So right. even though we've spent less time with these people than we have on that other show, I would be more devastated on Picard if somebody were to were to die. But also just Or just be taken off it, the show entirely. It's why we enjoy the episode. Yes. Is because you have characters with different personalities and you're therefore when you put them into situations, it just makes more sense. Right. You know? Um, well, they all it, feel like legs on a table, right? They really do feel like that, like the legs on a table, like legs on a table. Yeah. If you take one I mean, out, you know, I mean, we, could, we could think of the other show, and if you imagine any character from that show, aside from like, no, even the main character, who cares? Anybody, just put them in the situation. How would they act? I wouldn't be able to say. Well, because I think the other show, what they do is like they they focus centrally on one person, and everybody else is sort of the supporting role. But they've also they're also taking characters out. Bring there's Actually, like, there's yeah, like a rotating right. door of characters on that show. Yeah, you know what? And you can't if really. Tilly would have been the Girardi. Yeah, but Tilly's gone. Right. So the characters that have real characters are gone. Right. Uh, Giorgio, we couldn't know how Giorgio would have taken over. She would have been in charge of the place in in, in an hour. She would have been. <laughs> so she would have fit. She would have fit right into the. She would have no problem assimilating, no pun intended, into this fantasy of cues. Right. right? So now, though, what we would have is I don't know. I mean, all the uh, Reese and Owo and Detmer, like they would all basically act the same, which is like I don't know, serious. It's because they don't have on that show sort of like these distinct personalities and no and they're not they're not seemingly well developed right yeah they're so, just starfleet officers right and 
as I keep saying, and I know what you're going to say in response, but Picard just makes it so easy. It just says, it, they just say, like, <laughs> yeah. it's not difficult. They make it look easy. They make, well, that's what I'm saying. They make it easy. They, it's just, it's so easy for them, you know? It's like, and okay, there's a lot of hard five, work goes on behind the scenes that we what don't we, see. But. What do we have? Five regulars, six, five, six regulars. That's it. And they all have, they're all equally developed. And again, it's also, but it's also a very strong supporting cast. I mean, I've said a million times on this podcast, my main worry about Picard before it came out was I was afraid that we were going to have, we were not going to have a very strong supporting cast because it was all going to be around Patrick Stewart. Yeah. But they are well, all fantastic it. actors. They totally nailed it. And they gave them. Yeah. You know, there's contrast between them, which is what where yes. you get drama and Absolutely. comedy and and all of that. Right. Um, you know, it's like any any great crew movie or TV show, right? You have right. to have different personalities. When you have like C-3PO and Luke Skywalker and Princess right. Leia and Han Solo on a ship, that works because they're all such different people. I mean, friends. again, what does it tell you about not only the writing but also... Her performance, Michelle Hurd. We, I'll say it again, we have not seen on screen the decade that Picard and Raffi spent together, but yet we feel like we have. Yes, we feel like we've seen their long-term working relationship, and we've not seen that, and yet somehow they managed to sell that to me immediately. That those two have a history, and I feel like I've experienced that history. Yeah, that's when you get great actors and yeah. fine, well, fine, you know, reasonably well-written lines. Right. Yeah. You get it, it. You believe it. Absolutely. So now, obviously, where we're heading is that we're gonna, you know, I think we're gonna wind up in 2024 next week, mm-hmm. using the mechanism that Kirk and Spock used in Star Trek IV: The Voyage Home. Yes. It, you know what's funny is I always thought that sounded it was so stupid. Yeah. When they did it, somehow here they made it seem so much more realistic and believable. Well, it's a weird. What I what always bothered me about it was that, you know, in Star Trek in the past, time travel has always been an accident, and then the struggle is, well, how do we get back? But you can just they just make it seem like, oh yeah, we'll just do a slingshot effect. It's fine. I mean, as they point out, well, Spock figured out the calculations, but. Okay, Data would have been able to figure out the calculations. Somebody on that uh, yeah, on the other crew would have been able to figure and, out the calculations. You know, so Spock like, was smart, but he wasn't any smarter than like really smart Vulcans. Right. So, but I like how the so you know what of, banning time travel in Discovery. How are you gonna ban it? It's like banning air. It's so easy to do. All you right. need is someone. All you need is a ship and uh, someone that's good at math. Well, again, that's the that's the sort of like last minute, not well thought out mechanism of okay, we're in the future now. That's that's how we keep them in the future. Yeah, it's their way of getting around the whole like, well, they're if they're in the thirty second century, surely time travel technology exists to send them back, and we know that it does because of. And the, they could have just looked at how Picard did it, or right. asked the Sphere, "Hey, right. Sphere, how can we travel and?" Okay, I'm not going to think too hard about no. that because it's. But it's I'm just going to add to that, in the condition that we saw the. Unit the galaxy in in the third season. I remember I said to you, "Well, who's upholding that law?" Yes, particularly when all you need is a ship and someone that's good at math. Right. I was and a son. And a son. And if you can't find the equipment, it's harder. But whatever, it's okay. Yeah. 
Um, that's, that's the trouble. So yeah, child so I just found this so much more believable. I don't know if it's how they explained it and how they said like it creates a rift in a, you know, I don't know. Well, I think it's because it's a not like they treat it as important and yet not like they just need to get back into the, into go back in time. They don't want to spend too much time on figuring out what's the mechanism to do it. They just said, let's just do the slingshot effect and then we'll say, you know, Kirk and Spock did this. It's fine. Yeah. Neither, yeah, but it was good. They, they took it a, a couple of steps further and added more detail to it by saying, oh, okay, but we needed, we don't have Spock. Who can we, who can do this? And they turn right to the Borg Queen. So now that gives the Borg Queen a function to right, do this. Right, now we for have them. a reason that they have to take right. her. Which they didn't have to do, but it just makes her role all the more important that she can do that for them. Right. They could have just said, oh, Girardi will do it. We would have believed it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the but plot. Obviously, yeah. she's there for another purpose. Right. So, and that's, and that's something that we should, I mean, and that's one thing we should mention too, right? Everybody, every single person in this episode, minor or major, has something to do, has something to contribute. They're not just there to fill space mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or to move a story. They just, they all have something to contribute to this, which, yeah. you know, I shouldn't be happy about that because that's just how you tell a story. <laughs> but I've been yeah. so, like, robbed yeah, of that yeah. lately that it's just nice to finally see it i mean you and i were talking about last week about how when we were on the bridge of the stargazer we were like what is it about this and it's like it's because it gave you that genuine star trek vibe that's been missing that yeah we haven't gotten captain it's, was it's being a captain it's the little things it's the admiral on the bridge it's the on screen it's the, the it's the little commands yes. right it's those things Yes, it's the captain being in charge of flying the ship right. and making big decisions. But if they need something science, they got to get a science person. It all gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling. Yeah. That you're does. back home again. That you're it's in like familiar territory. Warm pair of socks. Yes. It's tasteful. Um, it's tasteful. Another little personality bit that I think was great, a little character moment, is that um, when Rafi was sarcastic, Elnor didn't get it because, of course, he comes from absolute candor and everyone tells right. the truth, says the truth of what's on their mind. So sarcasm is the total opposite of that. Right. Very well done. And I really liked also uh, Rafi when she finds out Seven is the president. So she's going to wear that gracefully. Yeah. <laughs> that was a nice little humorous line. Yeah. Did you notice when we were, um, when they were outside of the, when they showed the outside of the arena, you saw one of the Soongs again? The holographic. I thought that was a Soong, but yeah. I couldn't be sure. No, it wasn't. Sure. That was Brent Spiner that you heard. Yep. Yep, yep, okay. yep, yep. But it was it's yeah. so funny because I was so into the episode that I noticed that from the outside and I actually thought, oh, he's, now we're going to see him inside the arena, but we didn't. And I just totally forgot. I like seconds later I forgot that we that we didn't after when the scene was over, I'm like, wait a minute, we didn't see Brent Spiner. We didn't even see him. Cuz I, I was yeah. I, I thought we were going to. We saw him, but then I heard Picard's line. Right. What a safe universe is a human universe and I thought oh maybe that's just a bad Picard yeah. or something I don't know I was a little bit tricked on that one but I, I, again you know it, it's not like it's definitely wasn't my short term memory it was that I was just I was so into the story that they were telling that I just instantly forgot that I just saw a you know a holographic statue as it was of Brent Spiner's character that we didn't that it just didn't register with me that we didn't see him in the following scenes, we saw his statue and we heard him, but we didn't actually see him. And I thought we were going to. Yeah. Um, 
So it's interesting that the board gives them the information they need, a single change in yep. Los Angeles in 2024. Yep. So they have that bit of information now. Yeah, and I mean, and to remind everybody, I mean, 2024 is the year that the Deep Space Nine episode, Past Tense, part, Parts 1 and 2, take place in. In San Francisco, of course, not Los Angeles, but same state. Um, now, there's nothing particularly in that episode I could point to to maybe draw any kind of theories on or anything like that. So we'll have to see where this goes. I do think that... Because I think they show in the trailer that, that Picard beams down into the exact same location that he did when he went to visit Guinan in Los Angeles, where her bar was. Right, so and it makes perfect sense. They would see Kuro because, like the Borg, she can also sense right. time disturbance. So I'm going to assume that she has, that that bar that she's in, in the 25th century, is going to be there four centuries earlier. And that she will be in there. Because don't forget, when, she, when they traveled back in time to the 19th century, Guinan was there as well. So, she's sort of a constant, and like she has done in, say, yesterday's Enterprise, a line, a throwaway line by Q, by the way. Same with Mira Darkly. Um, she always notices when time changes. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah I meant I mean, to ask you about that. I, I was glad that he stopped using the names of episodes yeah it, it was a little too cute i mean how provincial how yesterday's enterprise of you and i thought okay yeah. well and then he then it's yeah cute, in a mirror but, dark you know. and I was like, oh is this gonna go on all the whole i thought the whole <laughs> episode gonna, was gonna be he's almost of, like he's almost like name dropping at like a lower decks you know uh rate yeah. right um yeah i mean i don't really have any it's, okay <laughs> So you're yeah. saying episode names of episodes, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um here's a question. Cause this yeah. my wife was watching coming in and out while I was watching and, and uh had watched some of last season but not all of it. But she said, What's up with Elnor and Rafi? And I had the same question because it seemed like there was some kind of a weird like he had a crush on her or I don't know. Something was very strange about all their interactions. Did you notice this? I mean, no. I mean, I I can see what you mean, but I don't think it's I don't think it's that. I just think at one that... point she said something, and he was like, "Oh, that's a brilliant and tactical suggestion, or something." It were a few like really weird moments where yeah. he just stopped and like paid these effusive compliments to her. Yeah, I, I didn't really give it much thought, but I know what you're talking about. I didn't really okay. I didn't really think about that much. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, because your Cisco comment reminded me, in. Picard's house in that room full of the skulls. Yeah. Gul Dukat. Yes. General Martok. Yeah. Two major characters on DS9. And then Sarek. Yeah, Sarek killed in front of his own son on the steps of the Vulcan High Council. And interestingly enough, Gul Dukat was the reason why in this timeline, Picard, he's the one who was responsible for Picard having the synth body. Yes. Yes. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, somebody and somebody had taken a screen cap of Goldicott's skull on Twitter and posted it as skull Ducat, and I was like, "Fuck you, take my retweet." 
That's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, another thing. It used the episode for its cliffhanger or ticking time bomb used the most overused Trek trope, but it didn't matter. You can't get the transporter to work in time. Yes. How many times has that been done? And yet they made it fresh and I was into it. And I was on the edge of my seat. I, when they, dude, like when they were in Girardi's lab and they got beamed up, I was like, okay. Oh, and then they find out they didn't get beamed up. I was like, I was like legit scared. Yes. I, I don't think I have ever truly, and this is no exaggeration. I don't think I've ever truly been this edge of my seat in watching an episode of Trek before. I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, it's just, yeah. Understandable. Yeah. Because, as you say, even though it's a Trek trope, and quite an overused Trek trope at that, it's mm -hmm. used so well here. Yes, and the situation they're in is so impossible. Right. That's the best part. Because that's the thing, right? Like, but it all, but the thing is, it also makes sense in the world that they're in. Because you think, oh, you know, the transporter is one of those technologies that only works as the plot dictates, right? And you think, at the same time, it's an easy way out. You just beam them up and you just get out of there. Right. But they say, what did they say? The device was they beam them up and then they, they don't quite make it. And they say they've disabled beaming around here. Some security protocols, which makes perfect sense. But it would make sense in that world that that would be the yeah, thing. That you, you had can't... a highly secure event, you would right. not want. You would want to block all beaming signals, or someone could beam in a murderer right. or a terrorist. Exactly, and it also reminds me of like those sort of those dictatorship countries. Like you know, when you think about like say East Germany, back when they had the the Berlin Wall. I mean, the wall was to keep people in, and you think like I'm sure Earth doesn't take kindly to people trying to leave, their own citizens right. trying to leave, right? Especially in that time when you can just do it as easily as beaming out. Yeah, yeah. So Although they did have it off until just before the ceremony. Though. But I like how they disable it as if it's Wi-Fi. Yes, that was really good. Right? It, was really, it worked so, so well. Yeah. I do think that the, when the, um, what do we call it, ceremony started. Yeah. I did think, I was, I, I was a little taken out of it because I just thought, Picard could have come up with a better way to stall than just standing still holding the gun. Yeah, yeah. Or the phaser. Like, right. he could have walked over to the podium and said, may I say a few words? And it had this whole thing of, like, the Borg have been our worst enemy. Right. This is a beautiful day in the history of humanity. Draw you know, he could have, like... Draw on your experience, Jean-Luc. Yeah, instead he right. just kind of went... Did a Mussolini impression. But I like how they also maintained Seven's... Seven's hatred of the Borg Queen as she does on Voyager, right? I feel like she's a little bit more impassioned about how much she hates the Borg in this in this show. But I feel like that would also make sense because in last week's episode, she kind of makes mention of the fact that there are people still somewhat apprehensive around her because she was formerly a drone, which I think could build up some resentment over time toward the Borg because it's, you know, she's still living... Yeah. A rather uncomfortable life as a result of being a former board right. drone right and maybe that also to have her fully human body back maybe she, you know it's got a little taste of normal humanity sort of right right yeah it's just, um i just i can't the thing is i can't say enough good things about right where this season has gone i mean we're only two episodes in we right? could say all the good things 
Um, we'll save that to the end of the season, I think. Here's another um, good thing. Yeah. When they finally beam them up, we heard the Trek theme on a deep brass, maybe like, you know, I don't know, deep brass, tubas or something. I don't know. Um, but we only heard it one time, and it was very tasteful. Just a Last little week. hint at it, a little reminder. Last week. No, this week. Oh, no, we got, I'm saying we got it last week, too. Don't forget oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last week was more full. This one was just a deep brass mm-hmm. little, like, one well, time. They use it. they use it as that sense of relief. Yeah, right? or like That's when we see a bridge. In. When we see characters we know on a bridge, they do it. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. It was well, well done. It was um, tasteful, so I know. Well, that's what I was going to ask you before we wrapped up. Like, you know, we keep, we, we, I love calling the show tasteful. Yeah. And yeah, what I was going to ask you was, do you still feel like it's maintaining the tastefulness? Well, this one maybe went a little, I sort of call, said that this one, it could be the first contact of the season. Interesting. You know, like a lot of fisticuffs. Right. And action and, and whatnot. Yeah. And how do you, how do you do action and stuff? How do you, how do you do that tastefully? Yes. I, mean, I think, I think it's because it. it's not, it, I think it's the way it's used. It's not that it's, it's brought in for the sake of doing it. It makes right. sense. I mean, Elmar's fight might have been a bit gratuitous, but yeah. I liked it fine. Yeah. Like, I think it's not, maybe go like, aside from the example that you cite just now, it's not overly done. No, not at all. Right. Not at all. Yeah. Um, so I, I do have to mention this because it was a little bit funny. And so um, Red Letter Media uh, reviewed yes. the first episode. Of this season? Yes. Okay. And so they made a, an interesting comment that I thought was kind of funny about Elnor. And this scene reminded me of what they had said. So they were talking about... They Overall, they basically liked it. They said they didn't trust that it was going to stay good. But well, they didn't like last season said, either, so... They said about Elnor... Um, <laughs> Why is he in Starfleet? Did they say, what can this kid do? He decapitates people. That's who we need in Starfleet. Someone that can decapitate people. Well, you don't join Starfleet based on a skill you have to offer. You join Starfleet because you want to make a career out of it. Right, right. But I think their point was just that, like, he's already has this record of murdering people that maybe would preclude him from entering Starfleet. Yeah, you're talking about, like, yeah, they're talking about, like, what do we do with the character this season? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like, well, we'll just ignore the fact that he's decapitated a bunch of people, and we'll put him in Starfleet. And but you know, I mean, obviously his his he's better served as um, Picard's sort of uh, bodyguard than he is anything else. Yeah, I mean, I could. Well, and that's what he was last season, right? Yeah. Um, and that's, so. You know, yeah. Well, now he's got shot, so there's that. But you know, in since watching the episode last week, I spent a lot of time going online and just looking for reviews. I wanted to kind of get. Um, I wanted to see what everybody else was thinking. I wanted to basically take the temperature of the fan community, whether it's on the BBS, Trek BBS, or just you know, perusing is the word I like to say. Uh, different, um, different articles, and it's getting great reviews like all across. I've not, um, I mean, I didn't dig too deeply, but I've not seen a negative review of this episode nor this season so far yet. Um, so I'm sure if we go to, um, the YouTube comments of uh, a certain YouTuber, we'd find some comments. Yeah. I mean, space.com does a lot of Star Trek stuff. And, you know, they said that, you know, 
for this particular episode, they said Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 2, continues to enthrall with this dark timeline. Um, you know, Gizmodo says that it's diving right into some classic Star Trek good and evil. Right? So it's it's really interesting because I feel like they're doing a lot of stuff that we've seen already, including tropes, and yet they're able to do something... They were they're able to do things that are totally, totally fresh. They totally they just feel completely new to me. And while you could look at all the other shows, I'm gonna kind of paraphrase Ronald D. Moore here, um, particularly when he was said this when he was talking about DS9. Um, DS9 and now Picard aside for a moment. If you look at all these other Trek shows, as good or as bad as they may be they're all just riffing on the premise of the original series, which is it's about a crew on a ship in space and that's it. That's not what DS9 is and that's not what this show is either. Mm. And I think very much like Deep Space Nine in that it's bringing something totally new to the table. I think Picard is doing that and they're doing it, they're doing a really good job of like giving us a fresh look at just the Trek universe and while again they're rehashing some tropes they're just working in the way that they're working particularly like in the example that you said with the transport for one right yes we've seen that a million times but it's just working so perfectly here and i was and as you said edge of my seat edge of our seats in watching that moment totally what are you hoping to see next week so i was sort of bummed that we didn't just get uh, get on with it and we weren't just out of there yeah so i hope what i hope to see is quickly dispense with um the f- first husband and the two security officers right i assume here's what i assume might happen is that the boar queen is just gonna take him out you know no. yeah very quickly Let's hope they take hope care of that, that before the opening. Before the opening. Titles. Yeah, I don't want to yeah, deal yeah. with any more of that. You know, it's sort of like um, on the other show how we thought we were done with the book situation, right? And then we right. weren't, and I was really bummed. So I just, yeah, I just want to. I like this an episode per topic, and then you're moving on. Now we're going to back to 2024 to figure out what the hell's going on. I think, I think very much like maybe last week. It's. I think they'll do that. I mean, I think they introduced Q in the last few seconds of la- of the of the first episode, and then this one they pick up with him there. But then they kind of dispense with them after that, right? He's there for the first what is it, what are we at like fifteen minutes or so, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and then they move on. I suspect they'll do that. He was the bridge between episodes, right? And I think that the first man or whatever the situation is is just going to be the bridge into the next episode, and they will quickly dispense of that and get into the time traveling aspect and getting back into 2024. Because one thing I can say about Picard, particularly last season was I did feel like they used their time. Well, I think maybe toward the end, they did feel like they were rushing a little bit, but I never felt like time never felt wasted really on the show last season. And so far I don't get that vibe. So, yeah, but, um, yeah, so we'll be back, uh, I think, tomorrow to discuss 
Oh, yes. Species 10C. Indeed. Thanks for listening, and we will see you all soon. Later. Peace out.